Stop Booking Around. I'm John Cronshaw and I'm joined today by another special guest. I have got Killian Carter joining us today. He is a science fiction author who is just about to go full time as an indie author. So congratulations on your success with that. So I want to talk to you a bit about getting the right mindset to be an author, to be prolific and to just get stuff done. I really like the mindset side of things and I don't know if a lot of people share that like, but, uh, it's a, it's a bit ironic, isn't it? You know, do you have the right mindset about the right mindset? <laughs> you need a positive mindset going into mindset conversations. <laughs> yeah. 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 So as soon as people heard you say mindset, they all probably thought, Oh, no, not mindset. <laughs> and to be honest, I think I, I had that sort of attitude starting out as well. And it took me a while to realize actually there is something to this whole mindset thing. I think um Joanna Penn has the successful author mindset. I don't know if she mentioned it on her podcast or something, but when I heard it, I was like, mindset, what good is that going to do for me? You know, in your head, it's almost like it's some sort of mystic thing that has no value. But eventually, you know, you come to realize actually, yeah, this this mindset thing is really, really important if you want to be successful. So this is something then that you have actually worked on in a conscious way have you kind of taken steps then to develop your mindset because for me i've not done this and the reason i've not done this is because i did a phd where i basically had to focus for four years on one project and then i had to balance that with teaching and marking commitments and then after that i went into journalism and so i was working fast paced doing a lot of writing and things like that so then when i come to actually doing the author stuff, it's like, okay, I've got the thing to get the words done and not be worried about the muse or anything like that. And then I've also got the thing of I can focus on a project for years. So it's, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't leave a lot of time for sitting down and <laughs> <laughs> thinking about things in terms of mindset. And I think that's part of the problem as well. Um, I like to say to people, you need to ask yourself why you want to write and the truth is for most of us, we probably kind of got into it by accident or, you know, we, we went through this long winded process and maybe busy doing a lot of different things, laying groundwork, like you said, and um, you just don't have time for it. Or it just doesn't occur to you or you just develop some of it, you know, um, by accident without, without actually thinking about it. And uh, but I think sooner or later, it does help to sit down and invest some time in thinking about mindset. I did a bit accident as well. I think I read a few books. They were just, gen they weren't books on writing or the author mindset, but they were books on general success. Um, I, I read a, a few things by Dale Carnegie, MJ DeMarco. I read his, I think it's called Millionaire Fastlane. It's a bit of a tacky title. It's very clickbaity, but it's been very valuable in, it, in helping me understand you know, what kind of mindset you need in terms of a successful business. And then there was the silent sales machine by Jim Cockrum. So I kind of read those over the last few years and they, I guess they started me on the road to realizing, yeah, mindset is a thing. It's something that we probably do need to give some thought to. And we're 100% convinced that that has helped in me getting to where I am now, which is, as you said, becoming a full-time author in the very near future. Is this a kind of mindset in the sense that you're not thinking mindset in terms of just writing, you're actually thinking mindset in terms of business in the sense that you, you're producing what products, assets, that kind of thing? Exactly, yeah, because when you think about it, 
a lot of people maybe put up a barrier when it comes to the business thing, but it is a product. Creating a book is a product. You can't separate the two. And that's when, you know, I said, you need to ask yourself the question why you write. You know, some people, they're not interested in the business side of things. And that's fine. If part of the reason behind your writing is that you just want to have fun or you want the recognition or accolades and awards or whatever, you might not necessarily need to treat it like a business. But if money is a factor, you want to do it as a living and to support yourself and your family. Well, bills need to be paid. People need to be fed. So I think you need to sort of think about your writing more in terms of business, which again, all gets wrapped up in that nice package we call mindset. What kind of things then? I mean, if, if there's something that we could change today, you know, where should we start? What are the kind of things that we should start to look at and start to think about? In a practical sense, what I've been doing this year is I have a bullet journal that helps me kind of keep track of things in terms of my writing business, because if I didn't write it down, it just wouldn't get done. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know what a bullet journal oh, is. It's just a journal. It's a journal. You can look it, up, look it up on Google. It's a blank book or a blank notepad, and you kind of outline your year or your months or your weeks in advance and sort of, it just helps you track things, helps you create checklists. But the great thing about a bullet journal is that you can customize it because a lot of diaries or workbooks that you get that are made for authors or business people or whatever, they're very sort of restrictive and they limit you in, in whatever framework the person has designed. Whereas a bullet journal, you just design it your own way and do whatever you want. But what I'm trying to get at is that as part of my um, bullet journal exercise i have been collecting sayings throughout this year and um i think that if you try to collect sayings um from successful people within but it doesn't have to just be in publishing it can be it could be authors or writers but it could also be business people in general and if you maybe select a saying that resonates with you per each month and just think about it for that month, you know, try and incorporate whatever lesson that person is trying to convey throughout the month and maybe meditate a little bit on it. You know, how can I use this saying to help my career? How can I use it to help my readers? You know, how can I use it to improve my work, my writing, etc.? So that, you know, just trying to think of ways that we can apply that. Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. What's your mm-hmm. current, uh, saying that you're oh, okay um i was gonna bring this up later anyway i guess but my current saying is um yeah one and this one really struck a nerve with me is the true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit it's a bit philosophical as well i guess purpose feeds into mindset a lot you know i think purpose gives you a perspective on the bigger picture, I think one of the terms that gets bandied about a lot these days is perennial or evergreen intellectual property. So, for example, when thinking about your work, you know, are you just pumping out pulp fiction, you know, a book a month or even a couple of books a month and getting them out as fast as you can because you want to make money now? Or are you building a product that people will be able to come back and read Maybe it's not something that's trending now, but it's something that people might be able to come back and read 
you know, five years from now, 10, 20 years from now, and they'll still get enjoyment out of it. So I guess it's immediate value versus long term value. So just trying to, you know, that's one thing that has helped me try to think about businesses in terms of the future. I talk about this a lot with Russ on the podcast, and it's the idea of creating something meaningful, which is kind of more important than creating something that is going to give you that immediate gratification. And I think that's especially a big mindset thing with authorship in general is this idea of delayed gratification of a different kind of rush that you get from knowing that you've written a good book than you would get from completing a video game or something like that, which is more immediate. Yeah, it's all the internet's fault, isn't it? <laughs> you know, Netflix and YouTube and Spotify, you can get everything at, at your fingertips. And, um, you know, you get that dopamine hit as soon as you see that like on Facebook or whatever. So that's definitely a big part of it as well. I try to look at it in, in more practical terms. So, I mean, you have a copyright of 70 years on your intellectual property. So how much of that 70 years are you going to use? You know, are you going to use six months of that? Which is what I think is a bit of a trend in certain circles at the minute where things, you know, you kind of focus on one book and ride the wave and then it kind of dies out and then you get another book in there. That does fulfill a purpose in itself. There's nothing wrong with that. But do you also think about things in terms of, you know, what's going to happen for the rest of those 70 years? Am I going to leave behind a, a legacy or a product that can help support my kids, even my grandkids? you know, when I'm not here anymore. So I guess it's it's all about that saying anyway, is about sort of thinking about the future and what may happen when you're not around anymore. It's, it's very much a long-term game, isn't it? I mean, this might be one thing that I am very much focused on is, you know, my author career is definitely, I am basically on 18 months of a five-year plan. <laughs> so it's, you know, still kind of working towards where I want to be and I know that it's not going to be for a few years and there's been course corrections on the way and things like that. Yeah, definitely. I think that that having that plan, like you say, or preparation and investing up front is, is a big part of it, a big part of the mindset as well, isn't it? Because like you say, it, it sort of goes against this instant gratification thing that is going on these days. And one of these things, I, I can't remember who said it, but was it an actor that said, reach for the stars and you'll land on the moon or something like that? Um, I can't remember who that was. Sounds like it might have been S Club 7. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let, let's not, uh, let's not break into <laughs> any S Club reach, 7. Reach for the stars. <laughs> Climb every mountain higher. Ah, <laughs> oh, good old S Club 7. I don't, I don't even want to know how long ago that was. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the 90s, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. 20 years, uh, probably. Uh, <laughs> Maybe more. <laughs> you're making me feel old now, John. <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, it's a nice positive saying that because the, the thought behind it is, you know, reach as high as you can and you'll, you might not hit that great height, but you'll still land somewhere up there. You know, you'll still land somewhere higher than where you are now. How can you use mindset to increase the amount of writing you do or improve your writing? I mean, how does that play in? You often hear the saying, starting is half the battle, but I like to add that it's the easy half. <laughs> <laughs> so starting is like, you know, you, you get a wave of light infantry coming at you and yeah, okay, that's great. You, you, you get that out of the way. But what happens when the cavalry and heavy artillery start shooting at you? 
So how many people have started writing a novel but haven't finished it? So starting a book is definitely hard, but finishing one is by many orders of magnitude harder. So it is about developing persistence, developing habits. And it's very hard to pin these things down because it's very hard to be practical when it comes to mindset because everyone's mindset is different. And one person might need to have a certain habit in order to be persistent, but that won't work for someone else. And they might need to have a completely different habit. So for example, I love to get up at four in the morning just because the kids are still in bed. Well, most of the time they're still in bed (laughs) and it gives me hours to get a head start, to get writing or even business stuff out of the way. Um, You know, other people prefer to write in the evenings um, some people like to write, do sprints with a stopwatch. You know, I find some that depends on what mood I'm in. Sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, so that's why you often see these books on mindset or how to be successful. And people read them and come away really disappointed because it didn't give them any real practical, tangible things that they could take away and implement. And the reason being is that it's a, it's all attitude. If you have the right mindset, you will develop those habits or those practical things anyway. And I think that's why a lot of people get turned off by the mindset thing as well, is because it it isn't always something that you can execute right off the bat. You have to give it thought and you have to change things as well. And the brain has evolved to be very efficient when it comes to using up energy and change means using more energy. So, you know, that's part of it too. But developing great habits, that's what that, what those habits are is very much up to what kind of person you are, you know, um, but developing habits and being disciplined with those habits is, is a big must. I'm thinking in terms of the type of mindset things that authors need to jettison. <laughs> I think there's a lot of, a lot of authors look around the person next to them, the author next to them and compare how they're doing, how many books they're selling or how much they're writing. And I always think the only person you can compare yourself to is yourself because only you are made up in that particular way. Last week I did a podcast about NaNoWriMo and, you know, I was talking about this a bit. And one of the things is just like, you are the best person at knowing who you are. So don't compare yourself to other authors. It's like you got to focus on you and we've all got different personalities. We've all got different things that make us tick and comparisonitis is just one of the most damaging facets of being an author really 100 percent agree with you on that one i think it all comes down to fear i think if you boil success down into its fundamental components fear is one of the things that gets in the way of people becoming successful and one way that you can remedy fear is by educating yourself because fear comes from not knowing and the only way you can learn is by getting out and experiencing something and learning it for yourself people like you say they look to other authors they see what they're doing they get disheartened a lot of people look at those authors too and they try to copy what they're doing i think this is also a big reason why people fall for you know some of the not that they fall for you know but but they they go and buy courses that cost thousands of pounds or dollars a lot of these gurus may be well-meaning and whatever, and, and, and I may actually provide a really good service, but are these things that you can get in a book? Yes, most likely. You know, can you get them for free on a blog post somewhere? You know, if you dig around enough, yes. I think it all pl- it's, it's kind of playing on that fear a bit at the same time because 
people fear because they don't know. So they go to someone who they think do know. But the problem with that is, like you say, you need to do it for yourself because what that person did six months ago, a year ago, even a couple of weeks ago might not work for you or might not work today. And something that does work for them because of how they're hardwired might not work for you ever. So it's one of those things you have to get on your hands and knees, get your hands dirty, start digging, and then you will feel, you will feel, but failure is a precursor to success. So we shouldn't, uh, shouldn't fear failure. We should embrace it. And I'm actually writing a book on that that will hopefully come out next year. Yeah. Don't be afraid of failure. It's easy to say, you know, <laughs> um, easier said than done, but yeah. the more times you fail, the better you get. So yeah. And I, and I think this is one of those things where you know, and you why, if your why is about you want to do a business, then like any business, you need to invest. You need to invest properly. It's like if you were to open a restaurant, you wouldn't put out a couple of crates and some pallets and hope people would turn up. You know, you'd buy tables and <laughs> cutlery and employ staff and a chef, hopefully. So yeah. yeah. And um, you think, think about a chef, like they, how, how many failures did they have? You know, how many times did they have to cook a steak before they learned how to cook one, you know, that's rare versus medium rare or, you know, um, if you look at every single product around us from our phones to our laptops to headphones or whatever, they all went through failures. They went through iterations. They went through testing uh, and they didn't work uh, or something about them didn't work or they changed. And I think you have, we have to look at ourselves the same way. You know, we might start out thinking we don't need to do these things, but there is going to be failure. There is going to be a need to change and improve until you get to somewhere where you're happy with. So I actually wrote a chapter about fear in the Stop Booking Around book. It was about how we've got the fear of failure. We've got the fear of letting people down. We've also got the fear of succeeding and not really knowing what to do with it. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of fears. Yeah. And the one thing that I think and, and what I do is I try and make my fears kind of work for me. Instead of letting a fear stop me from writing, I will put a even bigger fear in front of that. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> okay, well, I can not write this chapter because it's really difficult to write and, you know, it's dealing with some emotional issues that are really hard to cope with or whatever, but yeah. I need to write it. Or I've got the fear against it of if I don't write it, then I'm not going to be able to pay my bills next month. Or, you know what I mean? Or I'm not going to be able to carry on with this five-year plan or whatever it is. It's finding a bigger fear of like, yeah. well, if I if I don't write this book, then I'm going to feel like a loser because <laughs> yeah, that's all about putting it in perspective, isn't it? Yeah, and I think yeah. you can do that with a lot of things. I think you can do this on a daily basis when you're writing. Get in the good habit if you can, if you can work it around your life. If you are fearing the thing of failure, one thing I always go on about Russ to do on this podcast is do not worry. You're writing a shitty first draft; it's going to be crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> expect the worst and then you can build on it it's that thing of having something finished that you can work on and mold and shape and improve like that is what i really try and get him to do and this is another mindset issue is the idea of perfectionism you yes. know the idea that you need to sit there and produce something perfect every time when you sit down to write and then you go back to it the next time and you go oh that's really bad i'll rewrite it yeah and then you go, oh, that's better. And then you come back a week later and go, oh, that's really bad. I'll rewrite it. 
and then you never get anywhere, you never complete it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, so, they have that saying that um, art is never finished, only abandoned. You do have to abandon it at some point. It, it's just a matter of figuring out when do you abandon it. And, and I suppose abandon is a bad word, but you, you can't you can't keep polishing something. You do need to just get it out there at some point, don't you? People want to create something perfect, but it is the imperfections that give something character and voice and that's kind of where you need to be. You need to be in that middle ground, isn't it? You know, the, that we've talked about on the podcast before about the idea of the point between order and chaos. And it's almost like you need that with your writing. You don't want it to be too kind of structured. And at the same time, you don't want to be, to be all over the place. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of riding that balance. One thing actually that really inspired me when I was coming into writing. Are you familiar with Robert Heinlein's Rules for Writers? I'm not actually, no. They're a bit outdated now because they are more of a pulp mindset in the sense that, you know, it's it's the idea of writing for magazines and writing for a traditional publisher, whereas we're in a publishing arena now where there are so many different ways of doing it. I mean, you and me are both indie authors. Whatever you do, I think these rules can apply. So I'll, I'll just read them to you, actually. So rule one is you must write. So that's a good one. You know, <laughs> the idea of just writing, doing it, getting the work done. You know, you're talking about people wanting to be perfectionists. The only way you're going to perfect things is by more writing. It is yeah. by sitting there polishing something you've already written. You have to write it, get it out there, and then write something else. Rule two is finish what you start. Because, it's a big one. Yeah. You know, I've got a few abandoned novels. I've got a novel. Well, my first novel that I've I can't remember if I spoke about it on the podcast, but basically I did a trying to do a Game of Thrones in space and it had 13 point of view characters and it was a complete mess. Didn't really have much of a story. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I did finish that and that was a really good lesson because I had done quite a few full starts before that, getting to that 20,000 word point and then going, uh, yeah. I don't know what to do anymore. So yeah, yeah. This is, this is why outlining and, you know, planning and, having at least some kind of ideal where you're going is really useful. Yeah. I just showed as well that, you know, success is just a long string of failures at the end of the day. You know, again, I don't mean to keep hammering the point, but success and failure, they're both different sides of the same coin. And like what you said, there's a perfect example. You know, you had a few false starts, you know, you could consider those failures. I, I like to call them I lessons. Just, yeah, they are. That's exactly what they yeah. are. They're, I couldn't be where I am now if I hadn't done that and learned the yeah. lessons from that. Exactly. It's essential to, to go through those processes, isn't it? I was looking at an old external hard drive through the day and I found a, like a short story I'd written in 2008 and it was like a 10,000 word crime story about Cornish terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was like, like the story was pretty good actually. And then I think what took the steam out of it was i think there was something coming out in the news where okay this now looks like it's a copy of that i don't think like that anymore it's like oh well if it's been done before then whatever good yeah (laughs) Um, whereas then i was like oh no because the the whole twist was was there was this terrorist cell who were fighting for cornish independence but everyone in this terrorist cell was either like an undercover policeman or working as a journalist or something like that like there was no actual terrorist cell that did really horrible things in order to kind of save face with each other i was reading back at that story and 
it's like it was so badly written and it's like just <laughs> it was just really nice to kind of like the story was there actually like if yeah. i rewrote it it'd work but it'd just need a complete rewrite complete overhaul yeah so probably not worth it but it was just interesting to see how much i moved on in terms of my writing in terms of structure and sentences and pace like all those things mm. that i've kind of worked on and it's it's like yeah i, I have improved as a writer quite significantly which is, which is good <laughs> I, um, I actually do something similar i've got a a printout knocking about here somewhere in my office and i, I keep it on a shelf but I, I can't see it right now but what what happens is i i go clean up my office and i find this thing and I leave it out on purpose because I, I wrote it when I was, I must have been 16 or 17. It's when I started to, you know, really enjoy writing and, and thinking I'd love to do it at some point. Um, and it's called The Reign of the Evernight Prince. And I was very big into fantasy at the time. David Lee Eddings and Robert Jordan and Robin Hobb and all those guys. And I thought to myself, I'm going to write this big, epic fantasy you know, being a very uh, enthusiastic teenager, I guess, unrealistic was more like it. But I, I wrote a brief part of, part of the first book, and again, it was a false start. And I, what I did was I, I saved these. Um, I was taking through a box a few years ago, and I found this printout. It was like a couple of chapters, and I keep it around now because it's the same thing. I, I read it, and I'm, I think to myself, wow, I've come a long way. <laughs> You know, and again, it's it's another mindset thing, isn't it? You kind of you look back then and you see how how far you've come, and then you look at yourself now and you think, well, you know, in another ten, fifteen years, I'm going to improve as well. So it's always about improving your craft, isn't it? Yeah, I've always got a craft book on the go while mm-hmm. I'm doing other stuff. It's like that's how I learn. You know, I learn mm-hmm. from reading and and doing. So rule number three is you must refrain from rewriting except to editorial order. Mm-hmm. And what this space is saying is, you know, don't tinker endlessly with your story. You'll be modifying stuff, revising it, polishing it, doing that forever. And it's just it's what you said about a piece of art never being finished. Learn to abandon stories <laughs> yeah. at the right time. So rule number four is you must put your story on the market, which is basically saying release it. That's it. Or if you're working with agents or traditional publishers, get stuff out around. Like rule number five, which is the one that is more for the traditional one, is the you must keep it on the market until it's sold. Mm-hmm. So you've got to keep shopping it around. You know, with indie publishing, that's not quite as. Yeah, you can change change that to for in, indie purposes. Change that to understand the market. I suppose this is the thing of like, okay, you've written this fancy story. And maybe it's a bit of a genre mashup and you'll try it with one marketing mind. It doesn't quite work. So maybe pull it, change the cover, change the title mm-hmm. and then re-release it. I mean, that could be that kind of thing where you can find success by positioning your story in different ways. And then rule number six is start working on the next project. When I read these, we're just like, these make so much sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look that up. So rules for writers. Yeah. It's Robert Heinlein. So, you know, the, um, science fiction author yeah some great stuff actually don't know if you've read much of his work but i haven't to be honest but um i'll add it to the ever-growing list (laughs) yeah i mean some of his stuff is a bit crap now i think stranger in a strange land is really good starship troopers moon is a harsh mistress that one's really good time enough for love is really good as well 
and Citizen of the Galaxy, I would recommend all of those. He did Starship Troopers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay, yes, yes. I actually haven't read the book, but the, the movie was a huge influence on my own science fiction writing, and it's actually quite a lot of, well, not a lot of, but some of the ideas from from the movie, the original, the first movie, because the other ones were rubbish. Um, <laughs> that kind of, yeah, that, some of those things worked their way into my current series. So yeah. Okay, well there you go. Yeah, you should probably give that a read then. Have you read John Scalzi's Old Man's War series, which is basically military sci-fi with cool training sequences and stuff like that? It's a lot of fun. It's basically old people getting rejuvenated and sent to an endless intergalactic battle kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a similar premise to Forever War. Uh, that's sort of happened, didn't it? They, they would go out and fight for a duration and then they'd come back to Earth. And because they were traveling at light speed, like everything had changed completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, that's, um, yeah, Joe Holderman, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm looking for it here in my library, but I can't see it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Should really tidy that library up. It sort of looks, <laughs> looks like how my head feels at the minute. <laughs> if you want to be successful in anything you do, do, whether that be your career or your writing, the goal is to be successful, isn't it? And one of the steps to being successful is to having the correct mindset. And some people don't ever develop their mindset or think about it. And, you know, they just because they go through so many iterations anyway, they naturally do it without realizing it. But I, I think there's a lot of value in sitting down and thinking about it. And I've learned a couple of lessons about success in the last two years that I think people might find helpful. The four things I have here are always put helping people first. I think that's hugely important because I think what we do essentially is helping people and helping people doesn't need to be some kind of altruism or showing kindness to people. It could be selling people a product, but a product that they want and that will help them. And when it comes to writing, you could write a, a good book, but it might not be the book that your audience wants. You know, it might not help them because it doesn't have the right character. It doesn't have the right tropes. It may just be poor quality. So you may need to improve your quality if you want to help them better. So if you have helping people as your motivation, it'll always put you in a good place when it comes to selling books and, and becoming successful. I've talked to Russ about this, about the idea of focusing on the reader, picturing your ideal reader and writing to that person. And it'll change some of the decisions you make about your story. Yeah. You're thinking, okay, my audience isn't going to be interested in this. And I can either have the attitude of, but it's my story, it's my baby. I want to tell this. Or you do you think in this kind of empathetic way, where you're going, actually, what is my ideal reader? What is going to be expected but surprising at the same time? And it kind of feeds into the next point, which is success is a process, not an event. And I guess that also ties into the whole failure thing. Success is a process, not an event. When I first heard that, it really struck me because a lot of people think of success in terms of, oh, that person got a car, they got a house, they got X, Y, Z. You know, someone wins the lottery. Winning the lottery is an event. But that's not what success is. Success is, it's not something that happens, bang, there you go. It's something that is ongoing. It's always happening. And sometimes there's no end to it. So, you know, you don't get to a point and go, I'm successful. 
you're always being successful. You have successive failures, which hopefully are bringing you closer to whatever your goal is. That's what success is. It's a joke, isn't it? It took me 10 years to become an overnight success. You know, it's that yeah. kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, obviously there, <laughs> there are exceptions to the rule and, you know, there are overnight successes, but they're very few and far between. Mostly it's all about hard graft and putting the time in, being, being consistent, persistent and just going at it. And the next one was, I really like this one in terms of being an indie publisher, but people with ideas hire people with skills. And I think that we can fall down there sometimes because we may try to do everything ourselves. I guess that's a nature of being an indie. You know, a lot of it, a lot more falls on your shoulders than an author who has a traditional publisher behind them. You know, you have to consider things like the cover, the editing, the marketing and the list goes on, but you don't necessarily do all those things yourself. Even if you have to take ownership of them and responsibility for them, these are things you want to outsource to other people. The cover being a prime example. I mean, we, we know what happens when an author tries to do their own cover. It's not always very pretty. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to have those skills. And it's the same with editing as well. You need a professional editor. And if you don't, uh, uh it's obvious, it's really obvious when you read something that has been self-edited because there's always stuff in there where you think that is redundant. You don't need that or you've got the wrong word there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, these are things that, you know, you've got the ideas, so you need to hire other people who have the skills that maybe you're lacking. And like you say, editing, you can't see the wood for the trees because they're so close to your work. Um, it's definitely... Editing your own work is a big no-no. <laughs> and then another one was, yeah, you find out what the status quo is and you do the opposite. And this kind of goes against the grain because what everyone does is they go and look at what a guru was doing six months to a year ago. <laughs> they all flood to that. And because they all flood to it, the value of that thing decreases. It becomes saturated. The value is lost. It's a bit like stocks and, and bonds and things like that and trading. When you look at a trend, you kind of have to think to yourself, well, is your billionaire romance really going to be selling in another five years? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And he, he, you know, will it sell at all? Because th that trend is pretty big. They've got a huge, voracious reader base that genre does. But I mean, other things don't last that long. They come and go within six months. You know, you might catch that trend at the tail end. And you have to ask yourself, am I going to have enough time to write and publish this book? You know, will the trend be gone by then? I think that happened with some uh, people with the coloring book thing, didn't it? So, uh, Yeah, there was the adult coloring books. And I mean, it's probably already passed, but the reverse harem romance. Yeah, yeah, it's another yeah. example. So yeah. I used to do freelance journalism between actually working for a newspaper and then going into this full time. And the thing that would frustrate me about the freelance journalism was, you know, the rates could change and you made a sale and that was it. You know, you couldn't then make another sale of the same thing because they were usually time sensitive and there's usually things within the contract that said, you know, we want exclusive rights. And so for the same amount of effort, I've got something I can keep selling forever. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of products are you making? Are you building things that will last? And it's okay. You know, for me, building 
I don't know, I don't like to use this term, but cheap inverted commas. You know, I, at some point, for me, part of the process was learning to flip cheeseburgers at McDonald's. So I, I would write stories um, that, you know, you have to start somewhere, don't you? I would pump out stories and I, I look back on them and I'm probably not overly proud of those stories on their own. But that did allow me to get to a point where I can focus more on creating a better product. So, I mean, there's nothing, sometimes these, this can all be part of the process. Um, there's no kind of like, oh, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. Sometimes you need to do it all. And by going through um, the motions, you can't get to a point where you can, you can do better things and create things that your readers really want and be successful. Just as a look on KDP Rocket, <laughs> Billionaire yeah. Romance, it does say that there's, 47,584 really? wow. Kindle books that match the billionaire romance wow. thing. Talk about competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a, a lot of books that are very niche. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you know what? We're, I mean, it's, it's not to dig it because there are people who make a hell of a lot of money in that niche, but you have to ask yourself, are you, you know, those people have been writing for how long and they can pump out books faster than most people, you know, <laughs> do you really want to compete with that when you can maybe write another genre and have it a little easier, I guess. This was the last thing I'd like to say is you can't really talk about mindset without talking about your mental health and even your physical health, because it's all tied in. There's a saying that I like, which is the less weight you carry on your person, the more weight you can carry on your shoulders. It's true in a literal and figurative sense. You can't deny that if you're a person who goes to the gym or goes for a walk or gets fresh air and also eats properly, then your body's going to feel better. Put crap into your body and you're going to feel crap. And the same applies to your mind. If you put crap inside your head, <laughs> you're going to feel crap. <laughs> and there is a lot of rubbish floating around these days and a lot of ways to fill your head full of that rubbish. You can overindulge in things like social media or watching the news. I mean, that's one of the ways I think I've been able to gain some level of clarity. I haven't had a TV in over 10 years, must be now. Obviously, I, I watch DVDs. You know, I do get the news online and stuff like that, but I haven't watched the television's broadcasted news in I don't even know how long at this point. And it's made a huge difference between how I felt back then and how I feel now. And sometimes I need to do a bit of a clear out when it comes to social media. Um, it'd be great if we could just do away with social media, but it's, <laughs> it's a necessary evil at this point, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> true. And, um, I mean, obviously this is all outside of things like, it's all, all outside of things like, um, you know, mental illness. Mental illness is a thing on its own. I suffer from bipolar depression, uh, at certain times. And, you know, if, if you have something like that, you should get the help that you need, medically speaking. But there are things, you know, that most people can do to improve their mental state. And often because the mind is connected to the body, it can be as simple as getting into a, a routine where you're trying to become more healthy, to eat better, things like that. I don't watch the news anymore. <laughs> that helps, yeah. definitely helps. Um, and this one thing I really like about Twitter, actually, is you can mute certain words so they don't appear in your thing. So 
I have got a list now that is really long and it includes a lot of things that I don't want to read about anymore because they, you know, they make me angry or they make me depressed. So anything that is, you know, if I'm reacting to stuff like that, mm. that is a bad sign. So it's just like gone. Things like Brexit, things like Trump, all these things are just gone. <laughs> I don't read that stuff. And, you know, all the kind of social justice craziness gone. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I can't deal with the insanity, so I just ignore it and yeah, <laughs> carry on with what I'm doing. <laughs> that's it. You'll have to tell me how to do it offline. But that's the reason I abandoned Twitter. Well, I didn't realize you could mute certain keywords or whatever, but um, it was just a daily barrage of all of the stuff that you just didn't need in your life, you know? You want to fill your head with positive thoughts. You want to fill your head with stories, with ideas. Um, You know, you want to do things in your mind to help you improve your craft. Yeah. And and there's very, you know, the more rubbish and crap you put in there, the, the less room there is for positive things. Yeah. Well, I mean, Twitter by its nature is just resistant to nuanced discussion which is something you need with a lot of these issues so it just it just becomes divisive and tribal yeah there's a lot of hate out there man isn't there (laughs) (laughs) so avoiding that is really helpful yeah yeah yeah. to get get rid of the toxicity it's all toxic Um, yeah yeah and see all sides of the political spectrum this isn't a political thing at all this is just everyone's lost their minds as far as i'm concerned 100% and that sort of that ties into the mindset too because see if you are associating with toxic people you're going to have a toxic mindset and conversely if you associate with successful people for example in our cases with other authors then you're going to have a successful author mindset brilliant so where's the best place to find you online um you can find my website at kccarter.com i i guess everything sort of links to that so yeah and if you want to hear more of Killian's ramblings, there's also the Otaku on Writing podcast <laughs> with yeah. yours truly and uh, Lynn from a few weeks ago. He was he's uh, another one of our co-conspirators on that. So <laughs> you can find the Stop Booking Around book. It's available on Audible and paperback and Kindle. And if you haven't done so already, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help spread the word about the show. And you can follow me on the Twitter. It's at JL Cronshaw. So until next time, cheerio.